right, I want to go over just a couple of other things just real quickly. First of all, before we get into the message tonight, I want to make sure you have a, a prayer bulletin. If you need one of these, raise your hand up. I know Rodney's been passing those out. I think you might have gotten them covered. You did a great job with that, Rodney. Thank you for that. So want to make sure you get one of those. And then also, um, next month, um, beginning on Sunday night, September the 12th, we're going to be having our small groups. going to be changed up just a little bit. And I want to invite you to sign up for them. Um, we're going to, for about nine weeks on our Sunday night um, groups with our adults, we're going to be having some, instead of having the regular groups that we've had, we're going to have um, different groups that have different themes. And so you can sign up specifically for that theme. You might say, well, I'd like to know more about that, or that sounds very interesting. Let me just go through them very quickly. Brother Tim Ruby is going to be teaching on the topic. It's, um, he says, what he must, what he, talking about the father or the, the dad, what he must be to marry my daughter. A study on the active role men should have in developing their sons to be men that will be the next generation of faithful family leaders and helping our daughters to know what to look for in a godly spouse. So this is for men and women, but it's to, to train. Um, it's a, a study on training our children of what they're looking for and also what the, the son should be as a, a godly father and a godly husband. Um, so that's Tim Ruby's small group. Um, if you want to sign up for that, just mark, sign up underneath that. Uh, Brother Matt Owen is going to be teaching on the topic of love, L-U-V versus love, L-O-V-E. And so really contrasting the difference between what biblical godly love is in a relationship as opposed to what the world says love is. Um, and so that sounds like a great subject. Then Brother Randy Hepworth is going to be preaching on biblical principles for financial management. And so if you would like to learn more about getting your budget in order, uh, biblical principles for how to, to, to handle your finances, you can sign up for that class. And then Catherine Bowman, this is for ladies only, they're going to be doing the continue discipleship class. And so if you are a lady that you'd like to get involved in doing the continue discipleship, you can sign up for that. And then um, the small group that I'll be leading, um, we're going to be studying 1 Peter. And the theme of that study is going to be walk the talk. Not just talking about the walk, but actually walking it. And so how to be a, a strong Christian and uh, really examining our walk and how to become um, um, better in our testimony and making sure that we are truly walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And so just kind of a fun time with that. But we're going to be studying through First Peter, a great um, uh, uh, book of the Bible. So I'm going to pass this around. Brother Randy, thank you so much for being here tonight. Why don't you come on up here? <laughs> you just got sat down. I'm sorry. We're going to pass that around. If you'd like to go ahead and sign up, and um, that way we can get an idea. But that's going to be starting on, on September the 12th. We'll be doing that for nine weeks. I had told some 13. We're going to break that into nine. A little bit smaller uh, time frame there. And so if you go to that, if you sign up for a different group than what you normally are part of, it's okay. You can do that. We're doing this because we want to do some specific things. And this is something that we plan to do a couple of times a year. That way we can cover different subjects to give you a chance to be able to move around and to learn some things. Maybe interesting, something that might... Uh, spark your interest there. So let's get our Bibles tonight. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9, if you would. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And I want to read just one verse tonight, a very familiar verse. I think there's many of us here tonight that could quote the verse. It's a verse that you probably are very familiar with. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. Go ahead and look there if you would. We'll read it aloud. I'll read it aloud as you follow along there. You found it there in your Bible. Would you say amen? amen. All right, let's, let's go ahead and read it. I'll read it aloud. You follow along. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful 
Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for who you are. I pray, Lord, that tonight that we would uh, just get a fresh glimpse of who you are. And Lord, that we would be in awe of you and adore you. Lord, that we would learn more of you. Help our faith to grow tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us. Be an encouragement through this message, I pray, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be also glorified in what we think and what we do at this time. Lord, that we would listen to you, to your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about an interesting court case in Los Angeles involving names. And you've got to see the names. I want to put them up there. Look at these names. This is the, the names of people. It's Luther Wright versus Herman Wrong. That would be an interesting court case, wouldn't it? Well, I'm going to share with you what happened in that case. You see, Luther Wright and Herman Wrong appeared before a federal judge claiming ownership of a patent. And so they were fighting over this patent. And the judge attempted to moderate the dispute, declaring, he says, well, one of you must be wrong. At which point, declared Mr. Wrong, he says, I'm wrong, but I'm right. <laughs> well, then Mr. Wright interrupted and he said, well, he's wrong, Your Honor, and I'm, I'm right and Wrong is wrong. I'm getting confused. I don't know about you, but can you imagine that court case? Well, the judge at length terminated the right versus wrong dispute by ruling this way. Listen to what he said. He said, paradoxical though it may appear, in this case, right is wrong and wrong is right, and I so enter judgment. Have you figured it out yet? Yeah, that'd be a fun case to be part of, but what's the point? Names are important. Names mean something. Now, we're having fun with this, obviously. But names are important. And, and tonight, as we continue looking at seeing through the eyes of Isaiah, seeing God through the eyes of Isaiah, I want us to learn about how that God has many names. In this one verse tonight, we see that Isaiah, he names five particular names of God. Remember, names are important, and the names of God are important as well. And they're interesting. And Isaiah 9.6 is a verse that we often use at what time of the year? What time, Malachi? At Christmas time, that's right. We often speak about this verse. It's a prophetic verse about Jesus Christ coming. And we, we see, therefore, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, of course, we know that's talking about Jesus Christ. And we talk about that. And, and it's, it's an amazing statement. And it's something that's enlightening because it declares that not only was a child, Jesus, born, but also he was a son being given. God was giving his son. It's a statement that speaks of the deity also of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born, but he was also given. And we, we see that from this verse, and there's so much from it. But, you know, following the statement is a list that contains five names of God. And tonight I want to just, uh, as our second part of this study, I want us to look at there's just something about that name. I want to talk about the names of God and think about the name of Jesus Christ. And I want to think about these names for just a few moments tonight. And I want to begin by looking at a divine revelation of God as we think about these names. A divine revelation of God. Throughout this series, I've been talking about how the, as we look through the eyes of Isaiah to see God, you could really say it's theology. We're learning about God. That word theology, it speaks of an understanding of God. Theology implies the knowledge of God. Theology is the knowledge of God that is based on God's revelation of Himself. See, what we know about God is that which God has allowed us to know. 
The only thing you know about God is what God has revealed to you. That God has revealed to us. And God has revealed Himself to us in certain ways that we might know certain things about Him. All that we do know, we know because God has revealed Himself to us. God has revealed it Himself through the Word of God. This revelation of God is, number one, a scriptural revelation. A scriptural revelation. So where do we learn about God? The Word of God. Exactly right. I try to make it easy for us. You know, I know it's been a long day for some of you. It was hot out. Did you guys notice how warm it was today and the humidity that was out there? And some of you are like, yeah, I was out there all, in the, all day. So I make it simple for you. So we learn about revelation from God. And, and the, the, the point is a scriptural revelation. So in other words, the Word of God is where we learn about God. When was the first time that God was made known in the Word of God? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Somebody want to quote that for me? Stand up and quote it. Maybe an easy one here. Who would stand up and quote Genesis 1 1? Yes, sir. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Exactly right. In the beginning, who created? God did. That's exactly right. In the beginning, God created. And so in Genesis 1 1, the first time God made himself known, right at the very beginning of Scripture. Before the beginning of the Bible, before when God created, God existed but was not known to man. But then He stepped out of eternity and into history and revealed Himself when He said, when the Word of God says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The very first verse of the Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, God not only revealed Himself, but He also established the purpose of the Bible. You see, Genesis 1-1 is much more than a revelation or a revelation of how the heaven and the earth was created. It is a revelation of the one who created the heaven and the earth. We see it all contained right at the very beginning. And it's not given in an argument. It's given as a fact, as a statement. It's not one to be debated. You can debate it if you want, but my Bible says in the beginning God created. We don't believe in evolution the way that they teach it in schools today because we believe in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. We see it right there. Not only do we see that God is the one that did it, but we see what He did. And so the purpose of the Bible is that God might reveal Himself to man. Of course, that means to us. In the Bible, God reveals His person. He reveals His plan. He reveals His purposes and what He is doing and what He wants to do. You know, I love the song growing up that we used to sing, and maybe we, well, we still sing it sometime. Jesus loves me. This I know. I want one of our kids to finish it. For the what? Bible tells me so. That's how we know that God loves us. We, we know about God from the very Word of God. And if we want to learn about God, guess what? You need to read your Bible. If you want to learn about God, get into the Word of God. God reveals Himself to you. If you want to know God, read the Bible. God reveals Himself through the Bible. He makes Himself known to you and to me through Scriptures. And so the first thing that we see here is a scriptural revelation. Secondly, we see a successive revelation. As I said, God first made Himself known in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. Was that the end of it though? No. We see it continues on. Throughout the Bible, He continues to make Himself known again and again and again. He introduces Himself there as God in Genesis 1, verse 1. And then through the rest of the Bible, He reveals what kind of God He is. He reveals who He is. God revealed Himself in successive stages. 
Go back to the beginning. He revealed himself. And then he revealed a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and so on. God reveals more to us. And so his revelation of himself was progressive and successive. One of the ways in which God revealed himself was through his names. By his names, he helped us to better understand who he is. For example, take your Bible, hold your place there. We're going to come back to that in Isaiah in a moment. But look there, if you would, in Genesis chapter 1. We've been quoting it, been looking at it, but just look at it real quick, real simple. Genesis 1, 1, the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter of the Bible, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, we see. What do we see? God. That God created. So the very first example we see of this God revealing himself through his names is that word God. The very first one. Now jump over, if you would, to chapter 2 and verse number 7. What do you see there? And the Lord God, capital L-O-R-D, and the Lord God, chapter 2, verse 7. Go to chapter 4 and verse number 6. We see there's a, it's, a, it's a building on, it's a continuation. We see here a success of revelation. And then in chapter 4, verse number 6, it says, And the Lord said unto Cain, there's the Lord once again. A continuation, capital L-O-R-D. And then if you go to chapter 14 and verse number 19, and, and we could continue on. I mean, we could continue on all night looking through the Word of God as God reveals Himself. In chapter 14, verse 19, what's He called there? Do you see it? Most High God. Most High God. Now that's descriptive. That is telling us something about God. By His name, that is telling us something about God. And as you continue to read the Bible, you find many other names of God. Each name is significant for each one of those names tells us and teaches us something about God. Each name is a further revelation of God. Go back to our text there, Isaiah chapter 9. Jump back there if you would. Here in our text, God revealed Himself as Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In each of these names, we have a divine revelation of God. In each of these names, we learn something about God. And so the first point we're looking at tonight is we see a divine revelation of God. Let's look, look at the second point. I want to share with you tonight is this, a diverse revelation of God. It's diverse. It's diverse. As I stated, as you read the Bible, you find many different names of God. In Isaiah 9-6 alone, there are five different names of God. There in that one verse. There are many names of God by which we are given a diverse uh, revelation of God. So why are there so many names for God? Why are there so many names? Why did God give Himself so many names? Well, first of all, we have to understand the impossibility of revealing Himself in a single name. Can you imagine God revealing all of His character and all of who He is and His attributes in one single name? That would be difficult to do, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be impossible to do. You know, it's interesting. If you look at until the year about 1100, most people did not have a last name. They didn't have a surname. Most people just had their first name. But as the numbers grew in Europe, I'm talking about right now, when the numbers grew in Europe, it became very difficult to distinguish people by their first name. I mean, in our church alone, we've got a lot of people. We used to have a lot of charities here in this church. I mean, you know, and we've got different, I mean, there's all kinds of different names that are copied. We have to know the last name helps us to identify. But it's interesting, when they began to get last names, does anybody know how they came up with the last names? There's about four different ways in which they came up with last names. Anybody want to jump in? Yes, sir. Yeah, by occupation. What's the last name that would be after an occupation? Most popular name in the country. 
Okay, Carpenter, that's true. Not the most popular one, though. Smith, yeah. Most popular name is Smith. It got, came because there was a, the occupation of Smith. What's another way that they, they came up with the name? By the region they lived on, exactly, they, they lived by, exactly right. Like Overhill or Brook, uh, you know, things like that. They would have had that as their name, so it identified by where they lived. What, what was something there? What's another one? The name of their father, that's exactly right. What's an example of that? John, son, yeah, or yeah, so, what's that? Yeah, yeah, that's right, the name of the father. The Jews, they were way ahead of this curve, I'm talking about in Europe as, as they were there, but yeah, so by the name of their father, so Johnson, I mean, there's, there's different names that you can think of, um, and what's another one, there's one more, not to belabor the point, but there's one more, characteristics. My last name is because of a characteristic. Does anybody want to guess what it's... No, don't, don't try. I'm going to get in trouble if I ask you guys to guess what blount means. Because in the South they say blunt. But that's not what it means, all right? It's not what it means. It means blonde one, believe it or not. My family goes back, and it's, what I understand, it goes back to Norsemen, and they were blonde, and they came to England, and they, they came to England as blonde people. Well, I was a towhead blonde when I was a kid, then I got this real dark hair, and now I'm going back to blonde. See that right there? Just like my name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, okay. But some people, you know, anybody think of another name? Like, like Short, Longfellow? There's a lot of different names that came from the descriptive of the people, what, something about them. And, um, and so it's interesting. You know, so when you think about these names, we understand that descriptives and things like that, when God first revealed himself as God and then continued to give himself other names, that's what he did. And so in God's case, it was not because there were too many gods. That was not the reason why. Like, there's too many people. It wasn't because there was too many gods, but because it was impossible to reveal himself in one single name. Couldn't do it. For example, in Genesis 1.1, he reveals himself as God. The name speaks of the might of God. In the beginning, he reveals himself as a God of might. And then he demonstrated his might by doing what? By creating everything. He's a mighty God. Although the name God is very informative and inspiring, it says nothing about him being a God of love, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of patience, a God of justice, a God that is holy. And so our God is so great and glorious that it's impossible to reveal Him in a single name. Which brings us to the second point I want you to notice is the the indispensability of revealing Himself in several names. Indispensability of revealing Himself in many names. Why is it indispensable for God to reveal Himself in many names? It's, it's really, it's needful. We can look in the Bible, there's many different names. Elohim, the Mighty One. El, the Strong One. Um, El Elyon, God Most High. El Roy, the God that seeth. El Elohim, the God of Eternity. El Shaddai, the All-Sufficient One. Adon Adonai, Jehovah, our Ruler. Uh, Jehovah, the Eternal, Ever-Loving One. Jehovah Elohim, the Majestic, Omnipotent One. Jehovah Jireh, the One who will provide. And the list goes on and on and on. And, and so that's just to name a few. You see, you can't get all that in one name. If there were but one name for God, it, it would take an entire book, or I don't even think you could contain it in a book. It would go on and on and on and on. It's interesting, you know, the, the names are descriptive. You're trying to put it all, you, you ever heard of a town where they try to put the name that describes the town and everything about the town in one name? There's a little bit of trivia for you. The longest 
named town in the world is 27 characters long, and that's the name of the town. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Look at the name of it. That's the name of the town. That's in England. It's a crazy name, isn't it? It's an actually descriptive name. I cannot pronounce that, so I, I, I have a special guest here tonight that can pronounce it for us. Ty, would you? No, I'm just kidding. Watch this video. It's going to show you how to say the name. Now, today we had a big contrast in temperature across the UK, just 12 degrees over coastal parts of eastern England with cloudy skies, but in the sunshine in northwest Wales at RAF Mona, just up the road from Llanbair Pushwing, the temperature got to 21 Celsius. That's 70 in Fahrenheit. I'm amazed. That guy, you know, that's amazing. He got it right, too. I mean, he said, I, I know he didn't. No, I don't. I don't even know. He could have made that all up. I wouldn't have known the difference. What's the point, though? The point is, is that, uh, well, this point of this actual word, it's actually describing. You know what the, all those letters and stuff mean in their language? It means the Church of St. Mary in a hollow of white hazel near the rapid whirlpool and to St. Tislo Church near to a red cave. That's where the town is located. That sounds like some directions that some of you have given me to find your house. <sighs> all right, why am I even saying all of that? Because there are many names of God. And we could not possibly have the descriptive of God all in one name. God, throughout the Word of God, gives us names that helps us to understand and know Him better. That encourages us as God reveals Himself to us. Those names are, are, are great. They're great and glorious, majestic, and they're impossible to define in one statement, one single name. And so we see a divine revelation, a diverse revelation. And thirdly, I want you to notice with me tonight as we get back to our text here, a delightful revelation of God. A delightful revelation of God. Here in Isaiah 9-6, there are five names that are given to us, and there are wonderful, delightful revelations of God. Just in this one verse we see. And I want you to notice with me as we just kind of break them down and look at them and just praise the Lord for who He is tonight. The first one that we see here is the word wonderful, the name wonderful. He is an amazing God. He is an amazing God. It's a name that speaks of one who is out of the ordinary. He is not just any other God. He is out of the ordinary. It speaks of a God as being unique and being different. He is the marvelous one. He is the astonishing one. He's the, he's the God that, that Moses spoke about when he was talking to Pharaoh. You remember as Moses stood before Pharaoh in Exodus 8 and verse 10, where he, we see there, Pharaoh was responding tomorrow, and he said, Be it according to thy word, Moses is replying, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. There he is one of a kind. You remember there in, in Egypt how they had all these false gods. God is unique. God is above all of them. God is wonderful. There is no equal. God has never met or seen his equal. So let me ask you that I'm going to give you a, a, um, <clears throat> a riddle tonight and see if you can figure it out. What is it that I have seen, that you have seen, everyone has seen, but God has never seen? Say it again. What is it that I have seen, that you have seen, everyone has seen, but God has never seen? His equal. His equal. God has no equal. He is wonderful. Secondly, we see His counselor. We can say that He is an approachable God. He is an approachable God. Isaiah declared in Isaiah 25, verse 1, He says, O Lord, Thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels 
of old are faithfulness and truth. Faithfulness and truth His counsels are. The psalmist declared in Psalm 16, verse 7, he said, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. You see, a counselor is someone that we turn to for help and advice. Someone that we turn to in our time when we need help. We need Him to counsel us. Listen, our Lord is the supreme counselor. He is someone that we can go to. He is someone that we can turn to in time of need. Thirdly, we see He's the mighty God. He is an almighty God. He is the mighty One. He is the almighty One. He is the able One. He is able. I love what Jeremiah declared in Jeremiah 32, verse 17. He said, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for Thee. Do you believe that tonight? Say amen. Amen. There's nothing too hard for God. And Jeremiah declares it. And then God, you know, later in that chapter, He responds in verse 27. He says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He is Almighty God. He's the mighty God. Next, we see that He is the everlasting Father. The everlasting Father. What comes to your mind when you think of everlasting Father? What comes to your mind? What do you think of when you think of everlasting Father? Protector? Good. What else? What do you think of? Yeah, somebody you can always turn to. How did you get to be his father? I mean, how did he get to be your father? How did you get to be his son or his daughter? Think about that. He's the everlasting father. Before time ever began, he was my father. He knew the day I would trust in Christ as my Savior. He knew that I would get saved. You see, He is the one from eternity past that has entered into a relationship with man, with us. He's not some distant God. He's not some distant God far off somewhere. He is our everlasting Father. He is there for us when we need Him. He's there to protect us when we need His his protection, to care for us. He's there loving us with a love that we can't even comprehend fully. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 68, 5. He says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. And then in Psalm 103, verse 13, he says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He's our everlasting father. And then the last that we see here, this name, we see the Prince of Peace. He is an assuring father. Assuring father. He's the one who fills our life with peace and assurance. He is the Prince of Peace. In a world that we so desperately need peace, He is the Prince of Peace. I'm not talking about peace over in Afghanistan as like what the world's talking about. I'm talking about true peace that can only be found when we are at peace with God. And He is the Prince of Peace in our life. He can bring a peace that passeth all understanding in our life. I love what the psalmist declared in Psalm 4, verse 8, when he said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only maketh me dwell in safety. That's where peace is found. There's a lot of craziness in our world today, but you want to lay down at night and be at peace? It's having the Prince of Peace in your life. It's knowing God for who He is. It's knowing God as your Heavenly Father. It's knowing God that He is there with you, and He is the Prince of Peace. What a wonderful and delightful revelation we have of God from His Word. 
God has shared it with us. Why? Why does God share it with us? He wants us to know Him more. He wants you to get to know Him more. He wants you to get into the Word of God and read about Him more. That we might adore Him more, might love Him more, might trust Him more. That our faith would grow. Faith in knowing God more. God reveals Himself to us and they reveal us the kind of God that the names that we read reveal us the kind of God that we have. He is a God that meets us where we are and can be to us what we need in that exact moment of that need that we're going through. By His name, God wants us to know Him and know what we can be, what He can be, excuse me, to us. Know what He is to us. God wants us to know that. By His names, He makes Himself known and makes known what He can do for us. What God is able to do in our life. What God is able to do at work or at home or in that situation you're going through. When we look at His names, we have to say there is just something about His name. There's something about His name. I love the song. There's a, a hymn that's called Jesus is the Sweetest Name I Know. I love that song. I read about how that song was written. Let me share with you the story about how the writer came up with that, the name of that song. There was a medical missionary in China that told the story of an old woman that was stooped with age. I mean, she was getting up in age. She came to his clinic early one morning. He could tell from the dust that clung to her clothing and her sandals and her feet that she had come a long way. He treated her as he would all the other patients. He helped her with a physical need, but that wasn't the main reason he was there at all. He witnessed to her. He shared with her the gospel of Jesus Christ after he helped her with that physical need. And he tells a story about how she listened to how Jesus had died for her and paid her sin debt. She began to weep. And as she learned about Christ, what Christ did for her and how she could be saved and on her way to heaven, she received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Weeks went by after she got saved and one morning before he left for home, there was a knock at the door there at the clinic. He opened the door and there stood this old woman there, same one that had gotten saved weeks earlier. And she said, Sir, He has saved me and I know He lives in my heart. He has made my life so happy, but Sir... I have forgotten his name. Could you please tell me his name again? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Oh, our Heavenly Father better. We might be able to trust in him more and our faith grow. And I can tell you this, that God, he never fails. God is bigger than anything we'll ever face. God is, is, is above every other God out there. When I say God, I'm talking about the false gods of this world. I'm talking about what people are trusting in. God is able when nobody else can. God is more powerful. And Jesus, I'm so thankful for what Christ did for us. There is something about that name. I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad for Jesus Christ. I'm glad for this verse that we find here in Isaiah. Isaiah, as he proclaims, as God reveals to him, and God is showing to him himself God revealing through the eyes of Isaiah, we learn about who, what God is like and who God is by His names. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's all stand up as we pray. Lord, we